0: Let's do this, the Cult of Hockey podcast, by the faithful and for the faithful, in oil country and around the world. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce.
1: Morning, David.
0: So, Bruce, it's it's another day where three people who know very little about technology, me, you, and... uh, the ever-trusty Craig Ellingson, who's the, one of the journal editors who's in charge of these kinds of things. We're trying, to, trying a little experiment here. We're, we're trying to record on a new whole new platform, riverside.fm. And in theory, we're live right now, Bruce, on the internet. I'm, I'm just going to go have a look here and see if that's uh, the case. Live
1: to YouTube?
0: Possibly. I'm not, I'm not sure if this is working or not. It doesn't it's look working. like it's working to me. It's working. It's live. working? Yeah. Okay, we're live. There we go. So, Bruce, we are, we somehow, and and I think that now we can put that the the three of us actually created the internet because we were able to figure this out on our resume. We can, internet creators right at the top of the list, people able to figure out this kind of, this kind of thing. All right, today, Bruce, we're going to talk about, what's that? Yeah. (laughs) That was the, yeah. Yeah. Well, the hell. His his claim is just as tenuous as our own. Um, we're, we're going to talk about something just as tenuous as Al Gore's claim to creating the internet, which is the ongoing raging debate around the NHL, really just in Toronto about whether Austin Matthews deserves the MVP award over Connor McMVP. Um, this debate first flared up, Bruce. In about, what, 15 games into the season, I think Matthews had, a, he was off to a great start, as he often is. And let's, to be completely honest, often Matthews has had one hell of a hockey season. He is a fantastic hockey player. And nobody in Edmonton, I don't think, denies that fact. But the the debate flared yeah. up with about 15 games into the season, then it completely died out, Bruce. Completely and utterly died out. But now, now it's back. And um, in Toronto, and I don't know how big a deal it is in Toronto, but Rick Zamparin of 900 CHML in Toronto, so a Toronto sports person of some type who writes for globalnews.ca, uh, which is a big news site, so that's why we're talking about this. Um, weighs in today, Bruce, and he and and he he makes the argument. Now he says he thinks McDavid is going to win, but he is making an argument, uh, and his, his argument is thus. He says, "Quote, however, Toronto Maple Leafs sniper Austin Matthews is definitely giving his North Division rival a good run for his money and should be given serious consideration." for the most prestigious individual award in all of hockey outside of the Smythe trophy as MVP of the Stanley cup playoffs. All right, so let's go down Bruce and let's see what his argument is. Okay. Uh, here we go. Quote, the league's top goal scorer Matthews is also making a compelling case for the heart. The 23 year old American has netted an impressive 39 goals in 48 games, including 18 in his last 18. And he's, He's now ahead of that, right? This is written a couple days ago, I guess. Matthews is now at 40 goals, 40 goals in 49 games. Um, He is averaging a ridiculous 0.81 goals per game, a number we haven't seen since the turn of the century. And it's funny when I read that, I I flipped back to 1900, but he's actually referring to 2000, obviously. Uh, The Maple Leaf star also leads the NHL with 12 game-winning goals. And 29 even strength tallies this this season and Matthews has scored 22.4% of his team's goals more than any other player on any team this season Where would the Leafs be without their stud center? Likely not atop the all Canadian division So far Bruce nothing uh, do you, any comments so far any, any anything that you think is out of whack so far because I'm thinking these that this is not this really? is all fair comment so far That's,
1: that's pretty much factual stuff.
0: Yeah now we get into some interesting stuff. Quote, McDavid has 30 more points than Matthews this season, and that's a big spread, but the bulk of that difference has come via the power play, Bruce. The Oilers star has yeah. a league leading 32 points with the man advantage compared to Matthews 13. That gap is a testament to the talent level of the 24-0 McDavid, but when we compare 5-on-5 five five statistics, the 30-point total point advantage that McDavid enjoys over Matthews shrinks dramatically. All right, let's deal with his argument, Bruce. So McDavid has 32 power play points, Matthews 13, but this is is supposed to in some way weigh against Connor McDavid's MVP candidacy in favor of Matthews. What do you think of that kind of uh, argument?
1: That kind of logic? Go figure. Yeah. McDavid runs a <laughs> runs a, a a top of the charts power play, and Matthews really is mediocre at it. Therefore, vote for Matthews. Okay. Um, there there lying. is this guess, weird. Obviously, he's looking to narrow the gap between the the thirty odd points that uh, McDavid is Matthews uh, to a to a lower number, which would still favor McDavid by a double digit margin, but. Uh, it's it seems to me kind of a funny way to go about it. Our guy is not good on the power play and, and the other guy is, therefore our guy deserves to be voted for.
0: This is an argument uh we we see in different forms, Bruce. In many different forms. You, you know, you'll often go on Twitter and some will be making the case about the, the value of a player and they will comp- they'll just go Completely with five-on-five five stats, leaving out any mention yep. of, of uh, power play so or shorthanded play. And also cutting out what happens at the end of the game, where, where players can uh, make game-winning plays um, and in overtime. So all of that is kind of forgotten, set aside. It's like power play goals somehow in this kind of frame only count for about half as much or like a third as much as real goals that scored at even strength. The only real goals, real men score at even strength. It's some kind of, you know, fancy dancies that score on the power play. We, we can completely overlook that. It's not important. Now, that's an exaggeration of this point of view somewhat. But uh, this argument doesn't hold any water. Power play goals that Connor McDavid scored have helped the Oilers win uh, a lot of games this year. They helped Edmonton dominate the Ottawa Senators, for instance, something the Toronto Maple Leafs couldn't manage with, with Austin Matthews leading the way on their, you know, less than, somewhat less than stellar power play. I don't know what the Le- where the Leafs rank in the power play uh, overall. But it's just I just don't see the argument having any real weight that uh, that's in, in uh, Matthews' favour. What do you think about the argument, Bruce, that he outscores, that uh, it's closer, not that Matthews outscores McDavid, But it's closer at even strength. What do you think about that?
1: Well, it's undeniable. I mean, he makes the case that McDavid, you know, close to 20 points of McDavid's 30-plus point lead over Matthews has uh, happened on the power play. But the other 10-plus has happened at even strength, uh, 5-on-5. So, uh, you know, you you want to split it into categories. Well, guess what? McDavid's ahead in this category and McDavid's ahead in that category. I still don't see a case for Matthews there. Unless you want to zero in only on goals. That's where you can make a stronger case for Austin Matthews.
0: At even strength, Bruce, uh Connor McDavid is first in the NHL in even strength, or excuse me, five on five scoring. He has 3.5 points per 60. Number two is Brad Marchand, 3.3. Jason Spezza, 3.2, Mitch Marner, 3.1, and 3.1. So it's a fairly significant gap between McDavid and the rest of the NHL right now in terms of even, even strength scoring as well. Um, so the the only there's two categories that I think actually you can make an argument if you really wanted to, to dig into this. You could you could suggest, and it may be true because I and I can't speak to this that Matthews is a phenomenal defensive hockey player and is significantly better than Connor McDavid in that area. Now, he doesn't make that argument, but I did hear that argument. I think Cassie Campbell, if I'm not mistaken, kind of was indicating that earlier this year, that she felt uh, Matthews was a better all round player. And the only way you can take that is he's better defensively because there's no way you can argue Matthews is a a superior offensive player. So I'm not going to – maybe that is the case, um, that Matthews is like a selkie – uh not selkie so give him um, the selkie yeah the selkie sul- um selkie <laughs> candidate on defense and and but that would also carry over to the MVP if that were true but we don't we don't know if that's true or not. I mean McDavid I think has had a pretty strong year defensively Bruce I, I think he's been uh more committed um, to defensive hockey more intense about it more focused on it the number of times that Connor McDavid, for instance, this year have, has left a man open in the slot, as compared to years previously, I think he's cut it in half. His rate, um, he's 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 quite aware of that now, much more than in the past, and um, so I don't I think he's uh, I think he's I would I would categorize him now as above average on defense, especially con- mm-hmm. the competition that he faces. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm, McDavid's made real good progress in the two-way game this year, as well as uh, as well as um, uh, just at the offensive end of things. And I mean, if the orders play high-event, high-high-risk hockey with McDavid out there, confident in the fact they're going to win that part of the game. And if his goals against per 60 is higher than other forwards on the team, but goals for per 60 is much higher. And the goal differential, which, of course, is the key stat, is, uh, is uh, very much to the, to the positive side. And they do play that five-man unit that's very, very aggressive. And we see how aggressive they are in the neutral zone, trying to uh, win the puck back and, and counterattack. And every once in a while, they get burned. I mean, you and I have talked about Tyson Berry and his pinches uh, more than a few times. And we usually talk about the ones that fail, but there are a lot of times that those pinches work and the Oilers just either keep the puck in the offensive zone or keep the pressure on, and, and every once in a while they'll get burned on the jailbreak. But um, I think McDavid's personally his uh, his two-way game has improved. I think Dryselle's two-way game has improved. Uh, I think they've got uh, uh, a lot of uh, you know a lot of positives going on. I mean these are young players too, like Austin Matthews. I mean we're talking about guys drafted and you know, the middle of the last decade that are still in their young to mid-20s. And we still haven't seen the best of any of these players, I don't think, including Austin Matthews, who's a hell of a player and still gotten better.
0: Yeah, we haven't seen the best. I think we're seeing the best of them on the attack. This is this is an age when players typically peak as, as offensive hockey players. But we have not seen the best of them as two-way hockey players, which typically happens in their, you know, your late 20s, early 30s, probably for for the nhl superstars in terms of being you know their defensive hockey peaking so you're right that's a good point to make all righty bruce well there's a we could we could uh there's one more but i'm, <clears throat> I'm probably going to write about this mike's someone was some for the nhl.com site was doing and i didn't send you this i had a time but but um they were doing a thing on fantasy projections of goalies for next year like who's the best fantasy goalie to have on your team for next year And it was just, it was very clear. This isn't like five years in the future. This was just next year. And they had a list of 25 goalies plus five or six other candidates. And guess who wasn't on the list?
1: Oh, yeah. Either Oilers goalie.
0: Either Oilers goalie, which is, when you expand it to 30, I could see keeping Koskinen off the list. But if you're just looking for next year, so I might write about that. I just thought, like, that's interesting. I'll I'll dig in. Uh, Maybe I'm not reading their methodology clearly enough, but.
1: Well, he's too old, David, right? <laughs> I
0: mean,
1: he might die of old age in the summer and then he wouldn't qualify for this list next year. I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, he's, uh, he's, you would think shutting up the critics a little bit this year and maybe he is a little bit, but he hasn't, he hasn't, uh, hasn't won them all over, let's put it that way. And, I mean, he's uh, he's in the he's in the stage of his career where it's one year contracts to the end. And each year is a new adventure. I mean, he could sign a one-year extension and he could come back. And whatever edge he found this past summer that played so well this year might not be there next year. But, I mean, I wouldn't I would uh, I wouldn't rush to take him in my pool. In fact, nobody took Mike Smith in the pool that I am in, kids goalies. But guess what? It was a mistake. We blew it as a group. One of us should have picked a guy.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's... <laughs> It's
1: interesting. I, I'm. I picked Koskinen. I'm, I wish I picked Smith.
0: <laughs> I'm the last person who should attack anyone for doubting Mike, Mike Smith because I doubted him, and um, so there you have it. But you know, there's, there's, it's a, it's, it's a small group of Oiler fans who did not. Is the truth. I'm also guilty, Bruce, of hockey ageism. Uh, you know, when, when typically, when players in their late twenties, early thirties, sign a long-term contract, I just think why team why did you do that why did you offer that seven-year term with that amount of money it's, they're leaving their peak seasons they're heading into their injury-ridden season so in general i so i'm always thinking that but this is the problem with that kind of thinking there are individual players who all the time defy those expectations mm-hmm. and um so you can't say with certainty like that this this like the ryan smith signing like when he when he left edmonton and signed that contract Patrick Eliash was another example of a player who signed a contract and made good on it in, in their thirties. And I doubted both those contracts. I would Smith say that Smith probably came close to making good on that deal, that he was a pretty decent player for the vast majority of that contract. He was at least a second line forward. And Patrick Eliash was probably a first line forward throughout most of that contract. So I get it wrong. Like when you generalize, uh, and you're certain that this particular individual player is going to fail because, in general, the players that age tend to decline. That's that's also faulty logic because individuals can defy the group all the time.
1: Well, I'll give you the name of Alex Ovechkin, who signed a 13-year contract and whose 13-year contract is now up and he might get a raise at the end of it. And he was getting paid like $9.5 a, a year. Now, that was a guy who lived up to the full length of that contract. On the other hand, I could probably list you five guys that signed contracts of that length. Uh, I'm thinking of um, of guys like uh, Zach Parise, who halfway, th- you know, for the first few years covered the bet, but the damn contract was far, far too long for him. And I mean, in the case of the 13-year deals, I mean, it can really go <laughs> sideways. They cut that down to seven or eight now. And even then, you know, you get the The situation where the guy, the guy does okay for two or three years, and then he collapses. And I mean, I don't have to mention any names beyond Milan Lucic or Kyle Turris as a couple of examples near and dear to Oilers fans' uh, minds. (laughs) I think. uh, I think those uh, burned on big contracts.
0: Yeah, I think those big contracts. I think we call them Franzenstein contracts because they they were i think the first one was Johann Fransen of detroit and ken holland kind of invented this scheme of giving that massive long contract with the lower term over time and um can you hear me bruce you're frozen oh there you go you're frozen on the screen there and then uh, we saw some like brad richards vincent Lacavalier. and the, i think the most the most the worst one was rick di pietro if i'm not mistaken who signed like i think a 20-year deal and probably had one or two good years before got injured and couldn't perform anymore.
1: Oh uh, the Russian guy that uh, um, Anders got Milbury traded for from Ottawa. Uh, what the heck was his name? Grabowski. Uh, no, no nope, started uh, with a Z. Uh, they traded uh, they oh, traded se- Cher, Cher, Chera and the draft pick that became Spetsa for him. And oh, uh, Zamnov. Cracked. Is that it? Uh, no. no, no, that's the Winnipeg guy. And now I'm oh, i the same name. You know, uh, I got him in a second. I used to have players names up front of mind.
0: Everyone seems so Alexi promising Yashin.
1: and he's done. Yashin. Well,
0: what's that, that,
1: Craig? Alexei Yashin.
0: Alexi Yashin
1: yashin that yashin. was
0: from craig ellingson thanks craig i don't know if the people could hear craig or not but thanks for that craig yeah. alexi yashin was that a real bad stinker of a deal
1: oh yeah
0: yeah let's i'll get yeah. on cap friendly here he, he went this sideways. is uh this is that
1: yeah, was 10 years and 90 million or something like that and they bought out a big bunch of it and they had to trade like i say Spetsa and chara <laughs> this is like how many years ago I mean, that uh, Chara has only been like a, a stud defenseman. Uh, 16 years since that happened. Spets and yeah. Chara both still in the league, and the other guy I think is I, I think the tail of his contract is still kicking around in some manner. So it's
0: kind of hard. It, it's the cap hit was 7.4 million dollars a year. I don't know how long it went because. Ten years at seven point four million yeah. per year was Yashin's contract, and they bought him out. Uh, two thousand and seven, and he signed that contract in uh, two thousand and five, I think. Or I might have that wrong. It's kind of hard to tell from Cap Friendly. Alrighty, Bruce. Well, I think uh, I think we've tried this out. Our experiment uh, going live. I don't know what people thought of it. That if. If if you could hear us. Oh, you know what we didn't do, Bruce? We didn't look at the comments. Let's I don't know. Like I, I think I can look at the comments if I'm not mistaken. Let I me mean, give me this a try here. Uh
1: see if there's live comments.
0: Yeah. Uh I can't find any, but maybe I'm looking in the wrong place. So that's what we're hoping to do also is to be able to look at comments and maybe we can figure that out yeah, as we- this goes along. They can't hear me by the way, guys, but I, I see the comments. They're coming and There's three actually.
1: Oh, okay, so we, all right. We can interact with people. I mean, this is a, this is a test, test mission. It's like a firing off a rocket while, while pinning it down to the launch pad. We're not actually boosting it into orbit. We're just testing out the, the engines work. And so and we saw all those, we can promote it and get a lot more interaction, which is uh, one of the goals for sure.
0: Yeah. And, uh, We've all seen from the Dragon Rocket Sometimes they don't work and they, it's right live and everyone's watching it and it blows up. Like that's a billion dollar mistake or more than that probably. But, uh, you know, we're risking everything here, Bruce, uh, with this, that's all I'm saying. Uh, anyway.
1: Well, I, I do have a couple of factoids on the, back on the Austin Matthews. Um, Go ahead. But, uh, given that Matthews, I, I will concede he will win the Rocket Richard Trophy. Uh, and he will be the first Toronto Maple Leaf to lead the NHL in goals since Gay Stewart in 1945-46. Holy moly. So, now on the other hand, Toronto still has not had a scoring champion uh, since Gordy Drillon in 1937-38, <laughs> 82 seasons ago. And, and the Orders have been in the league for exactly half of that amount of time, 41 seasons now, because of course one was lost, and in that time the Orders had 11 full-on scoring champions, plus a 12th who led the league in points, but lost the tiebreaker. So, we'll give Toronto a, a, a four-decade head start, and it's, uh, and so, my, my um, takeaway is, rather than then dump on Austin Matthews, who's a hell of a hockey player. My choice is to celebrate the great stars that we've had here in Edmonton. We've been supremely lucky with some of the greatest players in the game.
0: You know who Toronto has had, Bruce, in that time, in that time period? And this is going back a ways, too. But they have who I – and this may seem striking – seem a bit odd. But when I looked at NHL history, like who, who – how did players do an MVP voting? How do they do in Smythe voting over time? So these two really important trophies in terms of determining right. who who observers at that time who were watching these games thought these are the best players that we're seeing and we're voting for them right now. So this is, you know, real-time observers in that moment who had the best knowledge of these players voting on them. And if you look at that, the, the player who doesn't have a lot of big reputation but is one... Um, a lot of uh got a lot of mvp votes ted kennedy
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um i when you <coughs> factored it all in he came out as the 10th greatest nhl of, of all time just going on mvp oh. votes for playoffs and regular season really the playoff votes um the cons the cons might award is came i think in the 60s so before then they didn't have one
1: was the first one
0: So someone went back. So so this wasn't just observers at the time. So someone, I think it was the Hockey News, if I'm not mistaken, went back project, yeah. And they tried to piece out who should win the uh, Mm -hmm. Conn Smythe Award in the past. So it's using that data as well. So there is some kind of uh, you know looking back in time, but uh, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah, Ted Kennedy, number ten. Here was, and I did this as of February this is a, a while ago the voting was as of um, February I did this 10 years ago so mm-hmm. some players will have crept up maybe into the top 10 like Ovechkin for instance but at, at that time this and this list won't change that much Gretzky was number one Gordie Howe number two Lemieux number three Bellavo, number four or number five Shore wow. number six Richard number seven Hull number eight Yager number nine and Ted Kennedy number ten wow. So they, he was a fantastic two-way hockey player who really did well in the playoffs and is, a, is an underrated Toronto Maple Leaf superstar, which is maybe the well, rarest creature of all.
1: Teeter Kennedy, was, he's actually the most recent Maple Leaf to lead the league in one of the main uh, offensive categories because he, uh, he led the league in assists in 1950-51. So he's a little bit more current than Gay Stewart and uh, Gordy Drillen. Of course, he only tied, he tied Gordy Howell <coughs> for the league leading assists in 1950-51. I was I was just looking this all this up. There was a Matthews thread on uh, the Low Tide blog that I follow, and I thought, yeah, <laughs> Toronto's pretty desperate to have a league leader in anything, and uh, they got, they finally got one, and you know, he's a good player.
0: What about this argument, Bruce? Like I can think, now, one more argument for Austin Matthews, if you were to put your head right. to it, is that, yeah. is that um, goal scoring, when it comes right down to it, is the single most important skill in hockey. And and an argument that the player who leads the league in goals um, is, like in soccer, in European football, for instance, right now I think it would be widely conceded by many players that that Austin Matthews and McDavid would be just right in the running together. It would be neck and neck. Like you'd have this guy who scores a lot. I don't know who, who you, maybe you'd compare, it'd be like Thierry Henry versus Zidane Zidane, right? Like the guy who both scores and assists worth just the specialist scoring goals, but they place a ton more stock in just the person who finishes to the point when you're watching those games and they show the highlights, they'll often, like there might be some brilliant pass. That that, um, that creates the the goal in the Premier League. And they don't even show the pass. They just show the guy scoring it. It's so fixated just on finishing. And if you take that mindset, and the hockey's not a whole lot different in terms of number of goals scored. It's probably twice as many per game, I'm guessing. Maybe even more than that. But... Um, the, where the onus is on that goal scoring, if you took that mindset from European and you put it, applied it to the NHL, you'd think, yeah, Austin Matthews is a very viable candidate. But, you know, we don't apply that. And maybe maybe the NHL way of actually totaling up points and awarding glory for offensive play is, is superior. I actually think it's superior to the European model where they just focus so much on goal, uh, goal scoring.
1: Yeah, well, the NASL, they used to give two points for a goal and one for an assist. Um, and there's there thought over the year, I think the WHA actually had thought about three for a goal, two for a first assist, one for a second assist, but then they realized that their their records would not stack up against the NHL so that that they would all be discounted, that no one would ever say, well, Mark Tardif beat Phil Esposito's record for 152 points in the season, for instance, or that Bobby Hull, well, <clears throat> for goals, I guess, it was a little more straightforward, he beat Esposito's record, but they, uh they decided, no, if we want to compete with the NHL, we have to we have to keep some things constant. Nowadays, we have uh, uh, the uh, uh, some of the um, hockey analysts' analytics uh, uh, focuses heavily on primary points, meaning the goal scorer or the the first assist maker, the guy who passed the puck to the goal scorer, as being a special example. Well, not that long ago, Dave, uh, Connor McDavid had a string of 27 consecutive points that were primary, he either scored the goal 10 times or he was the first playmaker 17 times out of 27 consecutive points that he scored with no second assist <laughs> in like six weeks or something, whatever, however long it takes McDavid to stack up 27 points. So uh, if you take the primary points argument, McDavid's still going to come away as the big, the big winner, so. And one more for McDavid in the last 13 games, the Oilers have scored 43 goals. One, nine of the games. McDavid has 32 points out of 43 goals, 32 points. He's been on like three quarters of the Oilers goals for a month.
0: I always love it when he gets a, when he gets a cheapy assist, Bruce, when he gets a cheapy, uh-huh. I just love that because he, he was in on so many great plays that don't end up on as goals. Right, And, um, you know, it's pretty rare that he that he gets he doesn't get a lot of cheapies. And you know, I can see people thinking you know, defensemen tend to get a lot of these second assists. And and you know, mm-hmm. maybe about a third of the time they're not really that. They're just kind of rote passes. You know, just basic passes that that aren't you know freeing the player up to get a goal in the in the scoring chance area. So you know, I can see why there's a bit of downgrading a second assist. But often second assists are just as crucial Sometimes. just yeah, as important sure. if not more important like the stretch pass that sends the player in is just a huge play
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and you know you know we recognize all we, we try to recognize this at the cult of hockey when we assess goals and who contributed to the goals we we actually we also give credit to the player who's you know doing a total eclipse of the sun screen on the goalie like yes it or or alex chase on will do um and they, they create the goal. There's no goal without that play, but they don't ever get a point. And when we, who I found when you actually look at all the contributions to goals, the people who, who make contributions to goals that don't get recognized with points are players who screen the goalies and defensemen who pass the puck. They will often make a pass that's, that's part of the integral to the play, but because it's the, the um, third assist, they don't get a, a point. So those, in, in general, are the players who um, are downgraded in terms of point production. Forwards, it balances out. Forwards usually get all the points that they deserve. If if they've, you know, they get a few cheapies, but that's made up for with spectacular saves by goalies at in at the other in the in the net.
1: Well, our our system. I mean, the the points that we will discount are most often second assists, where someone yes. made an absolutely road play, and then two guys you know made the made the pass into the slot and the other guy put it in the net and we only credit the two of them or even we credit another guy who did a screen or maybe won a battle that created the possession in the first place but the guy yes you know the nhl system is automatic last three guys to touch the puck regardless of of uh, uh importance to to the sequence they they just they just do it that way but our we have a little bit more flexibility to to try and determine uh, whose play was, was crucially important to the scoring of the goal or the creating of the scoring chance.
0: And of course, the downside of our system is that it's, it's two people, you and I, tr- doing our best mm-hmm. to, to make subjective calls on this and not always agreeing and, and hashing it out and, and trying to be, but I, I genuinely think, Bruce, that both of us are propelled by a sense of fairness and accuracy to, get it, to be fair to each individual player and to have a standard and because we're always arguing about okay what is the standard did, did, did this, is this pass the standard for what is a grade a shot or not and what we're what we're trying to do there is to be fair to individual players and and if one of us isn't to have the other person call them on that and and hash it out that way so
1: but what we don't have is is two people doing the same thing for the other team, so there's no baseline or anything. We're just Correct. going from our own experience of having done this for quite a number of years now. Decade. As to what's, a, what's a decent uh, yeah uh, uh, expectation for players of, of a certain position, and, and you can comp- certainly can compare within the team. Uh, and surprise, surprise, McDavid and Settle are far in front in our categories as well but we have no way to compare McDavid to Matthews
0: we don't He's and I wish I did
1: our, our system yeah no me too I wish it, it caught on a little bit more what has caught on is grade A scoring chances which we've been calling them for years now I'm hearing broadcasts everywhere well that was a, they had these men in grade A scoring chances so there's our there's our contribution I think it's our uh, we influence may, we well may have, we may have been first
0: <laughs> you know what and and if that's if that's our contribution to Hoxie Lexicon I think it's significant because I I think the heart of the game you know focusing on those plays the highlights do we do as fans everybody does the coaches do that's what you look at and that's what you study if you want to if you're going to study one thing in the game like um you, we don't have time to study all the things we'd love to study like I'd love to record every pass made all the zone entries and exits you just mentioned pinches You just like it would be great to know okay, what's the how many successful pinches does each order defenseman have and how many failed pinches do they have? Try to rate that. There's all kinds of stuff to rate, but we don't have the time to do all that, so we just focus on this one thing which we think is a very significant uh, event in the game, and uh, we want to try to understand that and, and report our findings.
1: We can't all be Corey Schneider, he counts everything. That guy's unbelievable
0: yeah it's just that kind of dedication is impressive mm-hmm. righty, well, let's leave it there Bruce and um hopefully this worked out, and uh we'll be trying it again probably after the game tomorrow night if if I can figure it out on my own so
1: yeah well, I know especially with these late games uh and our many dedicated uh um listeners and viewers and thank you uh for listening um uh Wait up sometimes for our thing to get up. Well, if it takes us forty minutes to do a podcast and only then do we post it from the beginning, well, that's more waiting. If they can, if they can tap into us live, we'll just have to make sure we don't make irreparable mistakes. So, <laughs> no, once in a long while <laughs> something happens, a very technical issue or something. I mean, nobody, nobody ever it's... drops drops bad words or anything.
0: It's mainly technical issues that we have. Um it is. I think I yeah I, you know, yeah, we're talking hockey, so it's not it's not that troublesome well, all a territory are good generally when you're speaking.
1: Talking about hockey anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, the odd clipboard might get some damage done to it, but that's about the extent of the violence on our show. Mm-hmm. Bruce, thanks for talking today.
1: Yeah, thanks for listening, uh, David, and maybe everyone. <laughs> I'm craig
0: hi craig i think craig's gone now
1: oh, okay. yeah oh, so oh he's, right. he's still they, he's still
0: they, he. they, they can hear me too i didn't realize that so. oh they can hear yeah okay thanks That's craig right. i found that out in the chat there you go
1: there's, and there's, Thank- there's
0: a bunch of comments you can we can figure all this out down the line maybe at some point david you'll have five screens going reading a chat responding doing this part
1: I'm maybe the i'll rep- stay up
0: till midnight maybe i'll stay up till midnight every night I'm on the URL for the podcast, Craig, and I just don't know why I can't see. I can see three thumbs three thumbs up for it now, but I can't see any comments. So anyway, we'll see what happened there. And no. I don't know why I can't see that. All right. Thanks again, Bruce. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Bruce. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.